Rick Atchley is the preaching minister at the Richland Hills Church of Christ in Texas. And I once heard him say something like this in a sermon. Many of us have a crazy uncle in the family. He's the one who's always doing something strange and unpredictable. He's the one with all the wild stories. Oh, he can be a lot of fun, but, but he makes you uneasy because you never know what he's going to do next. Now you accept him and you love him because he's a relative. But you'd feel a whole lot better if he didn't show up at the family reunion. Because if he does, something rowdy is going to happen. And then Rick said, isn't this how many of us view the Holy Spirit? And the room got real quiet. I think there's a lot of truth in that analogy because when the Spirit shows up in Scripture, he's a bit unpredictable and that can make us uncomfortable. However, the Spirit is not like a crazy old uncle. Rather, he's like the wind. And the Spirit sometimes blows through our lives like a gentle breeze or sometimes like a mighty wind. Yet, however he blows, he always comes to do something beneficial. And so, yes, a crazy old uncle can make us uncomfortable, but we should welcome the wind of God. And that's how the Spirit arrives in the world. He arrives as a mighty wind in the book of Acts chapter 2. Now, as we step into this story, it's the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. It's been 50 days since the resurrection of Jesus. And he told his followers to wait, to wait there in Jerusalem until God unleashed the Holy Spirit in a new way. And on Pentecost, oh boy, does that happen. The believers have gathered together in a house to pray when the wind of God blows through the room. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, that's not the kind of thing that's supposed to happen during a prayer meeting. This coming Friday night, we're going to meet here at the church building for First Friday prayer. And we'd be shocked if the Holy Spirit started blowing His wind in this way through our auditorium. It's not that we don't believe in the Holy Spirit because we do. It's just that we've put the Spirit into a nice, neat little box where we talk about Him some. And we don't pay attention to Him a lot. I think it's because we treat him like a crazy old uncle instead of the welcome wind of God. So I find it very encouraging that our spiritual ancestors in Jerusalem aren't afraid of the Spirit, even when he arrives and blows strong like this. The Spirit isn't fierce. His presence is energizing and exciting as he blows a fresh breeze through the lives of the men and women who follow Jesus. So the wind of God rushes through their house. He appears like 
tongue-shaped drops of fire over each one of them. He miraculously gives these believers the ability to speak in foreign languages that they've never actually learned. And in response, they all start to spontaneously praise God aloud. They're excited. They don't know all that the Holy Spirit is up to yet. But what they're about to see is that the Holy Spirit is blowing away the old and blowing in the new. The Holy Spirit is beginning the process of getting the message of Jesus out into the world. You see, Jerusalem is filled with foreign Jews who have come for Pentecost. Foreign Jews whose language, excuse me, whose native language is not Hebrew. And these people are all passing by in the street outside the house. And as they do so, they hear the believers praising God in all of these languages, these foreign languages, their languages, the languages that touch their hearts. If you've ever been in a foreign place where you don't speak the language, you know there's nothing so comforting as hearing someone speak your language. And so, if you're a Jew from Rome, and here in the midst of Jerusalem, you hear someone speaking your native language of Latin, wouldn't you want to stop and check it out? I think so. Well, many people do stop, so a huge crowd gathers. But they're puzzled. How can all of these Jerusalem Jews be speaking foreign languages? Well, they do something we often do. When things don't appear to be rational, we try to explain them away. So some people in the crowd claim that what they think is happening is not actually happening. The believers aren't actually speaking foreign languages. They're just babbling because they're drunk. Now, this is a situation tailor-made for the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want the people in the crowd to be ambivalent. He wants them to react to what's happening so that the message of Jesus can be shared. That's exactly what happens as the Spirit prompts Peter to speak. And then Peter explains what God actually is doing. Let's pick up the story in verse 14. Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Listen carefully. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So first, Peter tells the crowd that nobody's drunk because it's only nine in the morning. Most importantly, the Spirit prompts Peter to link the events taking place that day with an ancient prophecy from the book of Joel. By the way, this is a great reason for you and I to be familiar with Scripture 
Because when the Spirit prompts Peter, he's able to recite this passage. He's able to recite it because he knows it. But we have to say at first glance, this passage from Joel doesn't seem to fit the circumstances of Pentecost. After all, the sun doesn't go dark and the moon doesn't turn to blood. That's because Joel uses what's called apocalyptic language. It's a style of writing that is not meant to be taken literally. It employs vivid imagery to describe world-changing events. The words are symbolic and tell us that the Spirit is bringing about changes so dramatic that it's as if the sun went dark and the moon turned to blood. Dramatic changes are taking place in the world on this day because the wind of God is blowing a fresh breeze into the world. It's a fresh breeze called the last days. Now as used here, that phrase, the last days, does not refer to the end of the world. It refers to the end of God's old covenant and the beginning of God's new covenant. The former days were the days of Israel and the temple and the law. The last days were the days of Jesus and the church and the spirit. Pentecost was day one. Of the last days. And the last days will end when Jesus returns. So Pentecost is a day when things begin anew. And God's fresh wind of the Spirit moves into our lives in a personal way when we let God blow us free from the bondage of sin. And that's why Joel's grandiose prophecy about these history changing events ends on a personal note when he declares that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Peter, prompted by the Spirit, then preaches a spontaneous sermon to explain who the Lord is. Now what Peter preaches is a very Jewish sermon filled with meaning for a Jewish audience. And when he reaches the finish, he makes it clear that despite being crucified, Jesus has risen from the grave, and he is the Lord that Joel spoke about. Listen as Peter wraps up his sermon, and as the people respond in verses 37 to 41. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The Holy Spirit is at work in the midst of all this. He's inspiring Peter to preach. And as Peter preaches, the wind of God blows through the minds and the hearts of the faithful Jewish people who are listening. And as a result, they recognize their own sinfulness. They realize that they are separated from God. And they want to know how to close that gap. 
And so they ask the most critical question that people should ask in that situation. What should we do? They don't ask what should we believe because they know that faith is belief plus action. Unless we act on what we believe, we don't have faith. Peter's listeners want to know how to take a step of faith and get right with God. Peter's spirit-inspired response is simple and clear. Repent and be baptized. To repent means to admit that you've messed up. To acknowledge that you've engaged in actions that are harmful to others and harmful to yourself and fall short of God's expectations. And after you repent, you take your very first step of faith and you submit to baptism. Now, baptism is something that we can explain, but we can't fully understand it. That's because it has an element of mystery. It has an element of mystery because the wind of God is intimately involved in this moment. The Holy Spirit takes a very simple physical act, the act of being immersed in water, and he uses it to blow a fresh wind into our lives. Now, based on what Peter says here, and based on what the Apostle Paul writes later in the book of Romans chapter 6, we know what happens in baptism. At the moment we're baptized, the Holy Spirit, in some mysterious way, meets us in the water. He washes the slate clean so that our past sins are erased. He causes us to die to our old nature. And that death isn't figurative. It really happens. And then as we come out of the water, the Spirit resurrects us into a new life as followers of Jesus. That resurrection isn't just figurative. It really happens. And then, from that day forward, the Holy Spirit, the very wind of God, actually lives within us, helping us to live by faith and follow Jesus. Now, how God meets us in the water and how we actually die and are raised and and how God puts the Spirit in us, well, well, that's just a mystery. And that's why our God is such a great and majestic God. And we don't actually need to understand it all. We just need to know enough so we can respond in faith. And let the wind of God blow his fresh breeze into our lives and give us a fresh start with Jesus. Well, that's what the people listening to Peter do. They are eager to get right with God. So some 3,000 people are baptized that day. And this is the beginning of Christian baptism. It's the first time it's happened. So this is the day that Christianity begins. These people are the first Christians. So this is the beginning of the community of faith called the church. Happy birthday, church. The church is born on Pentecost as part of the inauguration of the beginning of God's last days. The last days prophesied about by Joel. 
And in these last days, in fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, is this community called the church, and it's going to be a community for all people. And this means a church filled with rich and poor and middle class. A church of black and Chinese and Hispanic and Anglo. Church of Africans and Europeans and Asians and Middle Easterns. Women and men, adults and children. It will be a diverse community of people who are united by their faith in Jesus. Who all are filled with the Spirit. And who all have a part to play in the life of the church and in building the kingdom of God. That diversity begins here at Pentecost. Because as the new, these new believers from foreign lands return home, they're going to carry the message of Jesus into new places and share it with new people from different backgrounds. And they will carry the good news that through Jesus, God takes away our sins and he fills us with the fresh wind of the Spirit. And these new believers, these new members of the Church of Jesus Christ, well, they're not going to just carry the message of Jesus. They literally will carry with them the presence of God. Because in these last days, God no longer resides in the temple in Jerusalem. God resides in the followers of Jesus because the Holy Spirit lives within them. And in these last days, God truly unleashes the Holy Spirit. Prior to Pentecost, the Spirit only was given to selected leaders and prophets. Yet now, as Joel prophesies, and as Peter proclaims, the gift of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. Young and old, men and women, if you are a follower of Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is in you. And as we listen to the Spirit and follow the Spirit, then the life of faith never, never becomes stale. The Spirit gives us the gift of His presence so that He can continually, continually blow His fresh wind into your life and mine. So what does this mean in practical terms for each of us? Well, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then the invitation Peter offered on Pentecost is still the one that we offer today. It's an invitation for you. You can repent and be baptized. You can let God take away your sins and fill you with the Holy Spirit. And if you want to take that step of faith, please get in touch with me. Send an email to bruce at gardenway.net or give me a call at the church office number listed on our website. Wouldn't it be great to let the wind of God blow a fresh breeze into your life? Now for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we've already received the gift of the Spirit. However, at times, we may be guilty of stifling the Spirit's desire to bring some freshness into our lives. Because of our preference for order and routine, because we like to be in control, we may not be paying attention when the Spirit nudges us to do something a bit out of the ordinary. So we may need to learn, or, or perhaps relearn, 
how to respond to the soft, gentle breeze of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think that most of us, most of the time, won't have Spirit-led moments that look like Pentecost. It could be, but I think what's more likely is that the Spirit's move in our lives will be more subtle. And so, it might be that day when we're out taking a walk, and instead of just waving at our neighbor and saying hi and passing by, maybe the Spirit prompts us to stop and have a conversation. Maybe it's that time when we're in the checkout stand in a store, and the Spirit prompts us to ask the checker how she or he is doing. Sometimes, those simple encounters can have very meaningful relational, spiritual implications. Are we listening to the Spirit? When He nudges us, will we respond? You know, the Spirit might, might gently blow into our lives as we're praying through our, our lists. And as we're praying through our lists, maybe the Spirit brings someone else to mind. And we could view that as a distraction from our agenda. But perhaps it could be that the Spirit wants us to pray for that person. Are we listening? Or perhaps we're in a broken relationship and, and the Spirit keeps nudging us to pursue reconciliation. Will we resist that because we're afraid of a difficult encounter? Or because we're afraid of having to apologize? Instead, maybe we could let the Spirit blow His fresh breeze through our lives and through our relationships and heal us from our brokenness. The Holy Spirit can nudge us in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of daily situations. Are we paying attention? Are we listening? Here's the exciting news. God has fulfilled Joel's prophecy. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on this world. And this is the Spirit that now lives in you and lives in me as followers of Jesus. So here's the question to ponder and pray over. How might the Spirit want to blow some fresh wind into your life and energize your faith and transform your relationships.